first of all, companies need to measure their carbon footprint. Uh, they need to understand the sources of emissions and identify emission hotspots. Um, once companies understand where the emissions are coming from, they can set emissions reduction targets. Speaking of sustainability, a podcast where we talk to frontrunners, innovators and business specialists on, well, sustainability and where they think their industries are headed and more importantly, how they can make them more sustainable. Hi there, I'm Hani Larma from EcoChain and in today's conversation, I'm speaking to Alessandra from one of our partners, Climate Seed. They do carbon offsetting the right way. Yes, there is a right way to do carbon offsetting. Check out the conversation. Hi, Alessandra. Thank you so much for joining us here. Hello, Hani. Nice to be here and thanks for having me. Yeah, nice. One of the things um, that I think we could start with is maybe if you could give a short introduction about yourself and also your work at Climate Seed. Yes, definitely. So I'm Alessandra Surajan. Um, I've been working at Climate Seed for the past three years, um, really in different roles of, of the company, but most recently on the, um, with the relationship with the project developers. Okay. So um, yeah, work, working very closely with the different project developers that we have at Climate Seed. Nice. And could you uh, explain really quickly for people who are not um, maybe familiar with Climate Seed yet, what, what, is, uh, what is Climate Seed and what do you exactly do? Yes, definitely. So uh, Climate Seed was launched really to bring transparency to the voluntary carbon market. It was uh, about uh, three years and a half ago. And, um, and it was launched initially by BNP Paribas. Um, we were a social business, and today we have been recently acquired by AXA IM as part of an impact fund. Mm -hmm. And uh, and really, the the goal of Climate Seed is to maximize positive impacts to the project and to the local communities. So um, that, that's I think really our our mission at Climate Seed. And what we do is that we work with different project developers all over the world, um, and and we we try to source a high quality. Um, projects, emission reduction projects. Yeah, so uh, you're working in, I think, what is uh, quite commonly talked about as carbon offsetting, if I'm correct? Yes, exactly. So it's it's known today as uh, um, carbon offsetting, even though we like uh, we like to to talk more about the climate contribution side of it. Right. Um, that we can talk a bit more later. But uh, yes, that's exactly. It. Yeah. So I think we can kind of just jump into that already. Actually, like, what? How would you describe carbon offsetting? And and is that actually the the correct term that we should be using? Yes, so carbon offsetting means compensating for residual emissions. Mm -hmm. So residual emissions are the emissions remaining after reductions efforts have put in place. And basically to compensate for one ton of CO2 emitted, you can purchase one carbon credit in the voluntary carbon market. Mm -hmm. So a carbon credit is generated from an emission reduction project that either captures or avoids CO2 emissions. Right. So these projects are certified by an international or national standard. And once they are verified by an independent auditor, they issue carbon credits that can be sold in the, in the market. Right. And so, for example, some projects include on one end, you have the nature-based solution um, projects, which are very popular. So it's forest conservation, afforestation, reforestation, peatland conservation, mangrove restoration. 
Um, and on another end, you have other project typologies as well. So there, for example, the cook stove projects, household devices, renewable energies. So those are the, the different kinds of projects that, that, uh, that we have today at Climate Seed. Right. So, and is carbon offsetting the kind of um, correct term to be using in terms of this impact reduction projects? Or is that something that is kind of changed throughout the years within its use in the media? Because you kind of just hear carbon offsetting related to so many things that I find it, um, for a lot of people, it's kind of confusing in the end, like, what is it actually? And is it a term that, you know, can be used for all of these projects? Or is this something very specific? The word, the terminology has changed a lot. Right. Um, so actually at Climate Seed, we really follow the net zero initiative. Right. There's kind of that negative connotation mm -hmm. as compensating for something negative that I did. Yeah. And really focusing on the, the positive side. So actually contributing to projects that generate um, positive impacts to the environment, to the local communities. So really focusing on those positive aspects and so talking more about climate contributions. Yeah, right. So kind of um, adding even more positive aspects than just compensating for, for the bad things that, that we're currently doing. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, and one very important point about these projects is, of course, you have the carbon benefit, right? So they're either capturing or avoiding CO2, but you other have a lot of other co-benefits. So it's actually really impacting local communities, impacting local biodiversity. So the, those co-benefits, which are actually related to the different sustainable development goals, um, are also a huge benefit of these types of projects. Right. What type of benefits are you talking about specifically? Do you, do you have any examples of that? Yes, definitely. So projects, for example, they, they can target um, gender equality. Mm -hmm. So um, that's a very, I would say, very popular co-benefit right. that companies are, are looking for. Um, and it's actually projects that empower women, that support women. Um, so a great example of those types of projects are, for example, cook stove projects, mm -hmm. um, because it's actually helping change the, the lifestyle, the livelihood of women, right. um, of, uh, women in, in these local communities. Yeah. So it's not a one-off project. It's something that is really bringing good to that community for, for long-term. Exactly. It's, uh, it's really improving the livelihoods. Nice. And so. Yeah, going a little bit backwards in this, for companies who are looking to get started with, with carbon offsetting or this uh, impact reductions projects, um, how should they start approaching this topic in the first place? Like, what are the first steps that you would recommend? Yeah, so, I mean, I think we, at this point, we, we know that this decade is crucial to restore the planet and reverse climate change. Mm -hmm. And, and we know that we have to um, limit global warming to 1.5 degrees right. to avoid it, disastrous climate consequences. So this said, we know that we have to focus our efforts on reducing, on decarbonization. And so th that is really the priority, right? Um, mm -hmm. uh, focusing on reduction efforts and decarbonization. However, we know that transition can happen overnight. And so supporting these types of uh, emission reduction projects can also play a role um, to account, especially for those unavoidable emissions, those residual emissions. Right. 
So what does this mean in practice um, for companies is, first of all, companies need to measure their carbon footprint. Uh, they need to understand the sources of emissions and identify emission hotspots. Mm -hmm. Once companies understand where the emissions are coming from, they can set emissions reduction targets. Um, these are targets in the short and medium term and, uh, and really following, for example, SBTI guidelines. Yeah. And then finally, offsetting can come into play once these two steps have been done. So reduction is a priority. However, we can go beyond reduction efforts and accelerate climate action and have positive impacts on the environment and local mm -hmm. communities um, by supporting these types of projects. Right. So I would say these are, there's two first steps that have to be mm -hmm. done before, before you can actually start supporting these projects. Yeah, and those are really knowing what the current impact is. So measuring that impact um, and also really trying to make steps to, to reduce the, the current impact in the real business strategy first and then mm -hmm. moving to the offsetting or the, um, yeah, how shall we call it? The climate contributions. The climate contributions, <laughs> right. Sorry, even I'm confused. So, and then move to the climate contributions. Yeah, exactly. We already touched upon this a little bit, but how do you believe that these types of um, projects have changed over the last few years? I think when I first started working at Climate Seed, a lot of the conversations that we had with clients were really educational, um, educating them about the benefits of carbon offsetting. Um, because it just it, it just wasn't very common and people didn't really understand right. what it what it was. Um, I think today that has changed a lot. People are a lot more educated on the topic, and um, and so it, offsetting, um, purchasing carbon credits, supporting these projects have become a lot more common. Yeah. And uh, and we've seen that the market has just increased so much. So in 2021. The market uh, transaction volumes double compared to 2020, um, which is huge. And actually, the market value reached $1 billion. Wow. And, and it's predicted to reach uh, um, around the $50 billion by 2030. So it's, it's, yeah. so it's definitely a growing market. Um, and, and why is that? Um, I think that... Um, First, company stakeholders, so different shareholders, clients, employees are a lot more sensitive to climate topics. Right. And they have really been putting pressure on companies to act against climate change. Mm -hmm. And uh, this will continue. And, um, and as well, um, I think increased regulation will also come into play. Yeah. So as a result, the number of companies making climate commitments, net zero claims, has increased substantially. Mm -hmm and will continue to, to do so. Yeah. And so to meet those claims, companies not only need to measure their emissions, set reduction targets, but they'll, they'll also have to account for those residual emissions. Right. So, so as a result of this, the market has just increased so much. And with that, actually also the prices of the carbon credits has increased. Right. Um, and I think you're completely right. There's so much more interest and, and traffic in, in the in the market. And I think that's a great thing. But there's also a side to it where um, a lot of also bigger companies, I think, that are some big polluters out there who have given a bit of a bad reputation as well to this carbon offsetting and this theme in general by um, 
kind of masking it in a way, a bit greenwashing um, by uh, purchasing these climate credits, but not actually doing the work. And I think that there's there's a few things that that's that's caused in terms of people having trust in in some of these projects. And for example, I was speaking with a friend earlier and they were asking me, but are these even, you know, projects where uh, where there's an active effort in trying to make the world better? Or is it just that somebody was already planting trees, for example, um, you know, somewhere and now they're getting paid extra for, you know, the work that they were, for example, already uh, a part of. And I think for me, um, I think transparency plays a really big role in this, but I'm curious to hear from, from your side, what do, how do you think, um, why do you think firstly that this has gotten a bad reputation? What do you think are the main reasons behind this? Yeah, so yeah, I think the market, um, as you said, has gotten a, a bad reputation, unfortunately. And I think the main reason why is because the market is so um, was so fragmented. So a lot of different projects, really all different levels of quality projects. Um, a lot of projects are actually in developing countries. So that also might be um, a topic related to transparency. Right. So I think that in general, as you said, and I agree with that, the, 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 there has been a real lack of transparency right. in the voluntary carbon market. Um, I think that has changed a lot. I think that uh, right now the the quality of projects has improved significantly. Mm -hmm. The work of the standards also has been has been very important yeah. to actually make sure that these projects are meeting the key criteria um, of the standards yeah. and are actually, as you mentioned, actually positive. Right. I think that's that that has been an issue. This lack of transparency, but um, it's changed. Yeah. I think also, um, as you were saying, the, um, on the company side, um, there's also been an issue because, as you mentioned, there's, um, there's also malpractices from uh, large uh, um, corporations okay. that have found cheap credits in the market, um, have decided to maybe not focus so much on the reduction efforts yeah. and kind of just purchase carbon credits. So they kind of missed actually, the first steps. <laughs> exactly. And actually, and, and related to that, even gone beyond that and made um, climate neutral claims, right? So it's like, uh, it's really this, um, on, on the company side, this lack of transparency right. as well, right? So not following the right steps. Um, not focusing the efforts on reduction targets, on measuring emissions, mm -hmm. on decarbonization. Yeah. Um, and, and then with this idea of really paying to pollute, right? Mm -hmm. So I'll purchase carbon credits to account for my emissions, but I won't change any of my, of my right. activities, of, of, my, of my ways of doing business. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that as well has changed. And the reason why is because you have... Um, all these uh, different stakeholders that are more educated, more sensitive to climate-related topics. Yeah. And uh, they're questioning these companies. Mm -hmm. They're questioning companies' claims. Right. Um, when a company claims a carbon neutrality, they're saying, um, explain it more to me. Yeah. Like, uh, so, so I think, I think this, has, this has changed um, for the better, of course. Yeah. And, and related to that, so companies' behaviors has changed. And uh, 
as a result of that bad press that, that they got. Right. <laughs> Obviously, it is still, uh, you know, a pretty complex topic uh, in many ways. But I think, like you said, there's more knowledge. You can find more things if you search online and that type of thing. So um, people are asking the right questions, I think. And therefore, mm -hmm. yeah, they aren't getting away with that. Um, but I know that you guys do things uh, differently at Climate Seed, and and could you maybe elaborate a little bit on yeah on how you approach uh, the projects that you work with? Yes, so um, so Climate Seed was really launched to bring transparency to the voluntary carbon market yeah. and ensure that project contributions maximize the positive impacts to the local communities to the projects. Yeah. So um, at Climate Seed. We not only see the projects as projects that generate carbon credits, but we look at the projects in, let's say, a more holistic um, way. So looking at all of the environmental and social benefits related to the projects. Yeah. Um, and these are, as, as I was saying, the, the co-benefits of the projects, yeah. um, the, the different sustainable development goals that they target. And something that, uh, that we do at Climate Seed and, um, is... Uh, that all of the projects have to pass our strict three-step verification mm -hmm. process. Um, so this means that, first of all, all of the projects are, are certified, have been certified by a national or international standard. Okay. So these are standards such as Gold Standard, VCS Vera, Plan Vivo, Climate Action Reserve, and there's uh, several different standards. And do, uh, do all impact reduction companies work with these standards? Are these general standards in the market or? Yes. So these are, these are the standards that are actually certifying the projects. Right. And so the projects have to meet the different criteria yeah. of, the, of the standards. Um, and then they're able to actually generate current credits. Okay. Um, so, so they have to... They have to meet these requirements. Okay. I would say the most popular standards, um, the most well-known are gold standard and VCS Vera, okay. uh, just because they are the largest standards. Yep. Um, but there's also other standards that, uh, that for example, at Climate Seed we work with. Yes. Um, and so what this means is that all of the projects that have met their criteria um, can actually generate carbon credits. Okay. So they're actually, um, they're, they're, let's say, real carbon credits. Yeah. Um, secondly, all of the projects um, have to pass a strict banking due diligence. So we're checking everything from anti-money laundering, um, anti-terrorism, reputational analysis. Mm -hmm. I mean, really doing a, a, a strict banking due diligence on the project developers. Yeah. And this is to ensure that the money is going to the right hands. Right. And it's actually going to finance the project. Right. Um, which seems pretty basic, but it, but it's it's important. Yeah, uh, no, definitely. <laughs> and then finally, um, all of our projects have been validated by your internal sustainability committee, mm -hmm. um, which is composed of market experts. And what they do is that they review all of the technical, qualitative aspects of the project, and uh, and and it's once we get their validation that we add the project onto our portfolio. Right. So. So today, what that means is that uh, we have about 35 different projects in our portfolio, in our platform, mm -hmm. in more than 20 countries. So they have to pass these all three. And if they don't pass it, you don't take them on as a project. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, and this is really to ensure high quality projects mm -hmm. and, and, and to ensure that 
um, that the money is going really to the projects, right. to the local communities as well. And how do you go about uh, finding these projects? Like, how do you actually get started with working with these uh, these projects? Yes, so I think uh, it's a bit of both, right? So we go looking for projects and also projects come looking for okay. us. So I would say that it's, uh, um, it's a bit of both. Um, right now we've actually, we, we've established a really good network mm -hmm. of project developers. Um, so we're currently working specifically with uh, the current project developers. And now that we have a, a new shareholder, so now that we're a part of the AXA Impact Fund, we're actually looking as well to invest in um, the implementation of new projects. Okay. So actually looking not just uh, on the on the sale, let's say, of the carbon credits, yep. but also on on developing, on implementing new projects. Oh, nice. And so you have a really strict criteria. You don't work with just any project or um, yeah, something that you uh, don't trust. But what are kind of what are some red flags that you would say um, that people should look out for in uh, when they're investing into projects or uh, if they have a company who is, you know, working with a, with a certain project that they can kind of look into that, what would be something like a red flag they should look out for that it's probably not the best project? Yes. So I think uh, this, is, this is really our value add as Climate Seed, mm -hmm. um, just because we do such a strict due diligence yeah. on all the projects. So really all of the projects that we have on our portfolio um, have passed this due diligence. Yeah. It doesn't mean that all of them have, uh, all of the projects that we've reviewed have passed it. Yeah. Um, and so, for example, um, in one instance, we had a project developer that was actually incorporated in several different tax havens. Mm -hmm. I believe it was six different ones. And so this financial structure just doesn't make sense for this type of yeah. project. So that for us was a, a complete red flag. Right. Um, in another instance, we had a, a project that, uh, that was a, a great project on, on paper, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then once, uh, um, our, our sustainability committee actually started looking at the technical aspect yeah. of the project, um, they actually found that the project was overestimating its baseline mm. because it was usually using national deforestation, a national deforestation rate when the project was actually in a very, very remote area. Uh, so, um, so that's kind of a, the, the red flags that, it, that as Climate Seed we're looking at. Yeah, and that's interesting because I think that kind of, um, it's a little bit similar to when you're measuring your impact uh, for, of your product or your supply chain or value chain. Uh, we also run into that sometimes at EcoChain that um, when you're looking at whatever it may be, it's like steel or something, steel made in the Netherlands is, is not the same impact as steel made in Finland, for example, even. So there's differences in terms of where um, a product is, uh, is built. And I guess that's a bit the same with this, uh, this project that looked great on paper, but in the end, you have to be super precise and accurate about all these measurements or, yeah, they're not going to give you the real impact that you have. Yes, and I think, and that's a lot of the work that the standards do. Mm -hmm. um, as Climate Seed, we we do we go beyond just the, what the standards check for, yeah. because we know that there's there's way of cheating right. the 
than let's say that the calculations right right <laughs> yeah we don't want that and so okay let's say there's a company that um you know has done all the right steps they've measured their impact they've reduced their um the the emissions that they they can reduce they've come to climate seed and um have worked on a project how can they um communicate about these projects transparently and constructively because as we spoke about there's sometimes a bit of a lack of transparency i think and and i think that that's a, a really important um aspect to tackle in terms of gaining that trust back of the public yes definitely so i think that uh, as i mentioned we really we really follow the net zero initiative initiative mm -hmm. and its recommendations and we really encourage our, our clients to do the same um so as i was saying really kind of moving away from carbon offsetting from carbon compensation and focusing on the climate contributions yeah. um, just to remove that negative connotation um, related to to compensating for something bad right. I did um, and, and actually focusing on the positive and focusing on the positive impacts of the projects. Right. So, so as I was saying, the projects have that carbon aspect, um, but also they have all of the other co-benefits. So for us, it's really important um, and a quality project for us is a project that that has all of these co-benefits. Yeah. Um, so it's focusing on those uh, those positive impacts of the project of protecting, for example, local biodiversity, mm -hmm. supporting local communities, um, creating jobs, et cetera. Yeah. And, and and so that that's on one end um, on another one. It's being fully transparent. So as, as I was saying, and as we were talking about, there's two steps that have to happen before you can actually, you should actually purchase carbon credits and support these types of projects. And it is related to the measurement mm -hmm. and the reduction efforts. Yeah. And so when you're communicating about this, the, the climate action that you're doing as a company, it's important to talk about those two first steps. Right. It's important to talk about the measurements. Mm -hmm. So, the, so where are your emissions actually coming from, and what you're doing to reduce those emissions? Right. And then, of course, um, for the residual emissions, it's uh, what projects are you supporting? Mm -hmm. um, related to that, it's uh, a lot of uh, companies really like to claim, um, or in the past, I think that 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 has changed a lot. But this claiming climate um, carbon neutrality, yeah. So, and I think it's, it gets tricky because there's no real definition on what um, being carbon neutral right. is. So we, we try to encourage them to move away from that um, and, and communicate as transparently as possible to, to their different stakeholders. Yeah. And it's because ultimately the goal is not to be as a company, as a product, um, carbon neutral, yeah. but actually as uh, to to reach global carbon neutrality mm -hmm. that's the end goal right. so so that should be the focus yeah so kind of moving away from those fluffy words and yeah. telling the the story from the beginning till end and incorporating into into this climate action also the the steps prior yeah exactly right exactly and even and sometimes i mean sometimes we work with companies that that really want to talk about um carbon neutrality and if it's if that's the case, then you have to be really, really transparent. Yeah. Um, exactly what have you measured? 
Um, what are the different scopes that you've measured? Yeah. Um, specifically, it gets tricky with scope three. Right. And then, and then actually, what emissions are you compensating for? Yeah. Is it scope one? Is it scope two? Is it scope three? Is it all of them? Yeah. So, so, so you really have to be very transparent. Yeah, right. And I think uh, it's important what you uh, mentioned to keep in mind that the, the goal isn't, uh, you know, to communicate about these goals. It's about actually achieving those goals. Fight climate change. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I only have one last question, uh, and that would be, um, what other people or organizations or companies um, inspire you in terms of what they do to make our economy and society more sustainable? Yes. So actually, I think that it's a really hard question. And I think at the end, I think what really inspires me the most is actually the work that's being done, the, the work being done um, by the local communities. Right. Um, so it's really through their efforts that we can protect and restore natural carbon sinks. Um, so I think it's, it's, we also have to remember, yes, organizations, uh, people, companies, um, we have a role to play in, in climate action, mm -hmm. but also, also these local communities, I mean, they are, they are at the end, the ones that are helping us protect these natural carbon sinks that we have. Right. And we need to keep on conserving, preserving the, the existing forests, yeah. um, such as the Amazon, for example. Yeah, right. And, and those people aren't in the media as much as, as companies or uh, these types of public personas, but they are extremely important, especially in these projects that you guys are uh, involved in. Yes, definitely. And for example, we're, we're currently working with a mangrove project in Mexico, mm -hmm. and it's actually two communities. And it's really, it's incredible work that they're doing to conserve and restore um, and protect the, the mangroves and all of its biodiversity. Cool. And uh, we know that uh, mangroves are really valuable ecosystems and they actually help sequester four times the amount of carbon that a tropical rainforest does. So it's, it's all this work of the, of the local communities that is, that is really important. Super interesting. Well, thank you so much, Alessandra. I really enjoyed this conversation and uh, I also learned a lot about uh, yeah, the different aspects that go into these projects. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for having me and it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Let's speak soon again. <laughs> yes, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to our chat. Don't forget to follow and review so we know how you like the conversation. See you next time. <laughs>